0: It's time for Fish Facts TV. Welcome to Fish Casting the Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner of Fish Facts TV. Hello, I am Captain Tim. All right, guys, last Northeastern episode. Um, I'm going back to Florida, I could not be more excited. Uh, So I kind of recap my last little bit of Northeastern fishing, our last probably Northeastern fish of the week. And um, I'm not going straight back to Miami, I'm going somewhere else. So uh, when we get there, Tim and I will tell some stories about our fishing adventures, fishing that area in the past.
1: Yeah, that sounds good, Tanner. Uh, I did not have a chance to fish this week, but uh, I had some other obligations and things I wanted to do. But I know you did some fishing, a uh, little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, what can you tell me about it?
0: So, Tim, on my last couple days, um, I had Veterans Day off and then I had this past weekend. So I wanted to try to take advantage of all three days just to see Um, as I mentioned, I believe on the last episode, I did purchase a fly rod. So I really wanted to get out there and try to get a salmon or a trout with the fly rod. So on Wednesday or Thursday, no, not Thursday on Saturday, I went back to my salmon spot with the fly rod ready to go. It was 30 and, um, (laughs) last couple times I've been was about three weeks ago. Now it's been sustained cold. So before the water was cold, this time the water, I stepped in, I got about shin deep and I stood there for about five minutes and I didn't see any other fish fishermen. I didn't see any fish rolling and I was just like, this ain't it. You know, I really, really wanted to catch that salmon, but I also didn't want to lose sensation in my toes. Um, And without waders, I just think it was too cold. So I went back to the pond that I tried a couple times. Um, I wanted to get the fly rod. I knew there was trout there. Um, I'd already caught trout there. I want to say, yeah, I guess... I'd caught one trout there since I last talked to you. I'd been there a couple times. I forgot there was another trip where I went. Because um, did we talk last week? I can't remember.
1: Yeah, I think we did talk last week. Um, okay,
0: so never mind. It was, uh, I'd gone there before. So I went back and uh, to the pond. It's called Beach Pond. Beach Lake Pond is what it's called, which is, or no, Beach Pond Lake. Uh, so I went there the first day and I caught a really, really nice rainbow, biggest by far rainbow. Actually, what I was doing was I was fishing with my fly rod on one side of this little spillway or it's not a spillway, it's a causeway basically there there's a lake on either side of this highway and there's like a little flow through which is about four feet wide by about five or six feet deep so it's where two larger bodies of water kind of flow into each other the body on the west side of the lake is much shallower than the body on the east side of the lake but they flow through and it's it's just a natural choke point for fish that's where i've caught two of my good rainbows there in the past So I put a live worm on one line and I went to go throw the fly rod on the other. It's tough to throw the fly rod there just because you're right by the highway. Uh, But I, I was messing with my fly rod. I set it down. I went back over to go see my other line. I see my bobber two feet underwater. Sure enough, it's a good size, probably 16 inch rainbow. Definitely the biggest one of the trip was really awesome on a live worm. Um, Now with the fly rod, I was able to get two fish, um, arguably three, two of them were bluegill, uh, throwing a little nymph. All the fish were sight casted on the fly rod. Um, And then I saw a little pickerel, smaller than the one I caught a couple months ago. This one was probably 14 inches, probably about, you know, very, very skinny. Trying to think of a good comparison, but you know maybe uh, three inch diameter. Like it was a very very skinny little um, fish, but it was cool on the fly rod. The bluegills were cool on the fly rod. I, I was throwing the nymphs for the bluegills, and I threw a little bit bigger fish imitator for the pickerel. Um, and I did see another trout, and I was throwing several different flies for this other rainbow, but I could not. Uh, get it to bite. So all the fishing I did was after that was at this same pond. Uh, So I caught one bigger largemouth, bigger meaning, you know, 14 inches, probably about the same size as the trout, maybe a little bit smaller. And, you know, I just, I had worms. I was just enjoying catching bluegills, to be honest. Um, I caught a whole bunch, probably, you know, 30 or 40, Good size, you know? I, I didn't realize the bluegills up here were that big, but just small hook, kind of threading these worms, just catching bluegills right and left. Um, and then I, I decided to hike into the woods and try uh, where the creek flowed into this lake. And I, I, you have to walk about a half mile through the woods. Um, we got back there, it was really shallow. Um, but we tried a couple spots. We ended up finding some yellow perch. So pulled out three more yellow perch. After catching all these bluegill fishing off the side of the road, I go with the exact same body of water, you know, a half mile away, and I'm catching nothing but yellow perch. So it was interesting. Um, so then I tried the outlet because it's basically like a reservoir. A stream comes in on one side and it's dammed on the other side. So I tried the dam as well. Um, I saw a couple trout near the dam. Uh, My my thinking was that fishing, because there are um, sockeye salmon that are introduced by the state, but the thing generally, the sockeyes live on the bottom out in the middle where it's 60 feet deep. Um, But my thought was maybe they would try to run into the streams uh, to try to mate even though they can't, um, because they're too shallow. And I saw a couple salmon trout looking fish that I think could have been those. They're actually called kokanee. It's a subspecies of sockeye from the Pacific that lives exclusively in lakes and never needs to run into the ocean. So I was looking for these kokanees. I didn't find any on the outlet side either, but I did get a, just a lot of those really good, you know, hand-sized bluegills. Um, so overall, you know, it's, it's really cool to be able to get yellow perch, rainbow trout, largemouth bass, big bluegill and pickerel all from the same lake. And uh, yeah, it was, it wasn't great. It wasn't flashy, but kind of as my end of the Northeast fishing, uh, I, I think it was pretty successful and enjoyable.
1: No, it sounds like it was. Now, how, uh, how clear is the water? You mentioned that, you know, you sight casted some fish and you, you, you made mention a few times of seeing different species around. Is it, you know, a couple feet of visibility or is it really clear? And you just get kind of lucky when you sneak up on one. How is it looking?
0: Um, it's very clear. Um, mm. In a lot of places, it's a little bit tannic, but it's like a light tannic brown. And the further you get away from the inlet stream, the clearer it gets. And I mean, right around the little causeway area where the flow through, I mean, you can basically see if it's not windy, you can see at least three three or four feet.
1: Okay. No, and, and you mentioned catching those hand-sized bluegills. I remember we were catching some really nice bluegills one time over there in, in Tampa a few years ago on, I think, bread back in those little lake I think those were a were little black.
0: bit bigger than hand-sized. These were big, but those were giant.
1: Those were some lunkers, man. That's for sure. I, I, I remember that. And they were fun. We were, you know, a couple of adults sitting there uh, pulling some Pulling some uh, panfish out of the water. So I get it, man. It's they're they're a fun little fish, especially on that light tackle and you know the fly rod. You're busting out the fly rod. Now is was the fly rod did you go to like a fly shop or something, or did you just get one
0: online? I can't remember um, what you uh, so there. I went to Dick's, they sell them at Dick's up here. Okay. They're 40 40 bucks from Dicks. Um, so I bought one, I bought a couple flies. I'm really hoping I get back to Miami. I want to try to get some peacock bass um, on that fly rod. I think a bonefish would be a stretch. It's a pretty light, definitely not with the tippet that I currently have on there, but who knows, um, you know, on the right morning, maybe I could try to get a bonefish or a snook. It would definitely be cool because there is something unique about the action of the flies. And I I think that the peacocks are definitely going to be the first thing that I'm going to try for, but I think I might try to go to Marco Island where I was sight casting those snook um, back in May, uh, you know, in, in April or May when the water starts to get a little bit warmer again, because I think now the snook are uh, n- probably not too thick on the beach, but I am happy that I-, I just took the plunge. I bought the fly rod, got a little bit of practice on the pickerel and the bluegill and, I- and I'm excited to see what I can do with it back in Florida.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> to kind of elaborate on, you know, you said that there's something to it with the action of the lure with the fly rod. Um, I'm not a big fishermen um, i don't claim to be i, I want to get more into it it's something that i want to kind of expand on um, i used to tie flies like with my brother he was always way more in it than i was he's owned way more fly rods than i have i think i got one in my boat and one in my garage and i rarely rarely ever uh, busted out but when when we used to fish dock lights here, uh, in the tampa bay area we could throw white bait, we could throw pinfish, shrimp up on these dock lights, and the snook wouldn't even, you know, take two looks at it, and they wouldn't eat it, but we would throw some of these little glass minnow-like flies up in there, and they would hammer it on the fly rod, so there really is something to be said. Um, those flies just, they, they look so natural, and it just really encourages the fish to strike sometimes.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it's definitely something that I'm, I'm looking forward to. It's a pretty light, I think it's a five-weight, so uh, I didn't get the trout on it, which is disappointing, but, you know, I'm hoping to go to Colorado this summer with my in-laws. So hopefully there I can get my trout. And for now I can sharpen my uh, skills on the peacock bass.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's a good plan, you know, get comfortable with it. I don't, I don't know how much experience you have fly fishing, but really hone those skills and, and get, you know, super comfortable. And then when you go out to Colorado, really take advantage of those skills that you, you practiced and learned because
0: That's some world-class fly fishing out there. Yeah, I really want to get a cutthroat. I know my father-in-law just has huge rainbows everywhere. Like even, you know, the ones that I was catching, even though I was impressed with them, are small for them in Colorado. But uh, I'd really like to get a cutthroat. I'd really like to get another uh, or some bigger rainbows, even though the rainbows that I caught, you know, I'm very happy with. And there's one last thing I wanted to add. I think the stripers are finally gone. The last two times I've been to my little striper spot, uh, I haven't gotten any. I believe it's a full moon tonight and it's warmed up a notch from being in like the 30s and 40s. It was almost hit 60 today and it's my last day here. So I think I might give it one more try this morning to see, or tomorrow morning to see if I can get one final striper. But the bite has definitely slowed down as it's gotten so much colder.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask what you thought, you know, the um, why, why the bite has stopped, you know, just seasonality, if, if the water reached the threshold or if, if the run stopped, you know, I'm, I'm just so unfamiliar with the striper, you know, run up there. But it sounds like, you know, to me being, you know, uh, ill-informed or, or doesn't have a lot of experience up there that it, there's something to do with the temperature because you were really in them. I mean, every, every time we talked, you were catching dozens, it seemed like. And now just to switch off like that.
0: Yeah, I I think it's a combination of factors. I think primarily they run south in the cold of the winter, Um, but I do think there are probably some that are running up rivers, so I'm not sure um, how that striper run works totally, but I know they do catch a lot down further in like the Virginia – maryland area i think as it gets colder in the winter because i think right now like new jersey new york they're really getting a lot of the stripers as it just gets colder up here yeah that would make sense all right so uh we'll do the fish of the week first and then we'll go into kind of some plans uh that we're making and we're going to talk about some old stories (laughs) So the fish of the week this week is the chain pickerel. Uh, As I said, I caught one on fly. The chain pickerel is in the genus Esox, and that is the pikes. So your pike, muskelunge, redfin pickerel, and chain pickerel are the four primary species. Uh, In a lot of ways, they have a very similar um, biology, maybe not biology, but ecological niche as would be your barracudas you know they're the they're shaped similarly they're the alpha predators now pickerel obviously don't get as big i think a big pickerel is probably like you know 24 to 30 inches whereas pike and muskellunge can get you know well well into the 20 30 pound range uh but they live all around uh the u.s east coast Pike are known as more of a cold water fish, but you can actually get peckerel, you know, all the way into the Everglades. I personally have never caught one in Florida, but I know they have them. I just think they're much more common up here where it's colder, but uh, they're really fun fish to catch. They fight pretty hard. Um, yeah, and, and they're enjoyable. I, I don't think I would eat one, but uh, they're they're fun fish to catch, and uh, they were, it was cool to be able to catch one on the fly.
1: Yeah, that, that is neat. I, uh, I think your one pickerel on the fly matches the, the one pickerel that I've caught. I know you've caught more than that one, but I, it, it, to the best of my memory, I think I've caught one chain pickerel. And it was um, in a lake that was a, a river fed lake uh, at a campground in Tennessee or North Carolina or something like that when I was a, a really, really small kid. Um, I, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world catch this chain pickerel, you know, um, for whatever reason in my mind at that time, I thought they were the super rare fish that, you know, I had never caught and my brother had never caught and, you know, growing up fishing with him and looking up to him, you know, as my older brother, you know, to have caught something that he hadn't, um, that was pretty cool. We did eat it. And, uh, I, I think it was pretty good. I don't remember having any adverse reaction or saying, you know, the heck with this thing, I'm never going to eat another one. Um, but, but yeah, I think we ate it. Uh, at the campsite with my parents, you know, along with a bunch of other trout and bluegills or whatever. But um, I remember catching it on a topwater, on a mini Zara spook with a little propeller blade on the back. So, you know, obviously it it made a a lasting memory for me. So uh, that's my experience with the chain pickerel.
0: Yeah, they're cool fish. Um, I don't know why. I, I see people in the South Florida fishing groups catch them in the Everglades every now and then, but I just You know, for all the bass, I think probably because we're using worms and you need more of a, if we fish more like fish imitating lures, you know, I'd probably have a better shot to get one, but, but you can definitely get them in Florida. Probably not as common as they are in the chillier latitudes. Yeah. All right. For our last segment today, I put up something about questions. Let me double check real quick. Um, But what we're going to do before that is I am going to the Florida Panhandle and Tim and I did a lot, both individually and together, did a lot of fishing in the Florida Panhandle when we were younger. So I was going to have each of us tell our favorite Florida Panhandle fishing story. Um, I know what I'm thinking of. I know what I hope. Tim is going to tell because one of my favorite Tim fishing stories comes from the Florida Panhandle. Um, and then Ooh. I'll obviously update you guys next time when I get back from Destin. The, the one that, that really comes to mind, you know,
1: I don't know if it's the one that, that you're thinking of or not, but um, it involves you. Am I close?
0: Not the one I was thinking of, but you can tell
1: the one involving me, too. Okay. Well, you know, Tanner and I, when when we first uh, became friends of Florida State and Tallahassee, um, you know, we, we realized that we like to fish and, you know, it started off our friendship many years ago. And um, <clears throat> Tallahassee doesn't really have a very close saltwater fishery. It's about an hour away down due south. So Tanner and I ride down to a place called Shell Point, which is a small community right on the coast. And, um, you know, obviously I want to Kind of show off and make sure we catch some fish. So I take Tanner to this canal that that kind of is right behind this uh, um, little community. There's houses and docks and everything. So we're, we're down there fishing shrimp, and I think pretty quickly um, I caught a pretty nice redfish, like really quick. And I was like, "Wow, you know, this is good. This is a spot I'd been to before. You know, the bite's hot. We pull it in, we throw it up on the grass, and, and we we're going to keep it. And it seemed like no sooner than we got there and caught our first fish. Then one of the, the, uh, the residents came out and asked us why we were ke- uh, catching and keeping his wife's pet redfish. So needless to say, we got ran out of that spot pretty quickly. Um, I actually don't remember if I went back there just cause I don't like to start trouble, but, uh, that to me was, was pretty funny. I had never heard of, uh, someone referring to uh, redfish as pet redfish. And, um, you know, to be honest, he was he was pretty nice about it. He could have been uh, uh, pretty abrasive, but um, we got out of there either way. And to me, that, that that's a fitting story because we we're together. And uh, I thought that was just funny.
0: Yeah, I think I actually went back to that spot on a boat one other time. I feel like we caught a couple like a little bit down the canal. I don't think we went all the way back to Tallahassee. We just left that one close dock area, um, as I recall, but – I was hoping Tim was going to tell about the sailfish he caught from the Pensacola pier, but uh, that will have to be another story or another day. Um, Tim and I actually had another awesome trip catching a lot of uh, little snappers too off of Destin. But the story I want to tell, I was actually with some other friends out of the St. Mark's lighthouse, uh, which is in the same general area due south of Tallahassee. Um, The way I used to really like to fish out there was just Cajun thunder, gulp shrimp, primarily targeting trout. And I used to go out there and, you know, a good day was probably seven, eight trout. You know, it was never hot, but it was usually never cold either. You know, you get anywhere from like probably three or two trout and five or six catfish on my slowest day to 15 or 20 trout on my hottest day. So one day I'm out there, I'm with my old roommate, Travis, who's now a professional fisherman himself um, out of Fort Lauderdale, or actually he's out of West Palm. But anyways, I'm pretty far from him. I've waded out through this channel and I'm on an oyster bed, just throwing my little, I think it was a pen 34. Cause pen numbers there, it's like a 40, maybe a 4,300. Um, so like the lighter pen um, real with, you know, 10 or 15 pound tests, just bumping for these little trout, you know, they were pretty hot. And all of a sudden I just hooked into something that just, it almost spooled me. It was one of the craziest fights I've ever had. I'm chasing after it, you know, chest deep water. And I know there's a lot of sharks out there too. Um, and we finally get it And it is a just shy Cobia, you know, I think at that Uh, point they had to be maybe 30 inches to the fork and it was a 30 inches total length. So it was, you know, just under, but to get a Cobia in three or four feet of water fishing from shore, something I've never done again, you know, I've not ever caught that many Cobia and it was just such an awesome catch. Um, getting something like that right from shore. And uh, yeah, definitely, definitely one of the coolest catches I've ever had.
1: Yeah. I, I can imagine uh, Cobia. They're, they're certainly really good fighters and uh, to, to go from catching, you know, some little trout on, on some light tackle, not, not anticipating this. That's a pretty cool surprise.
0: Yeah. Actually funny thing. My car died that day. Um, so we ended up kept eating trout over the campfire while we waited on the tow truck to come pick us up. It was, uh, it was quite a day, um, but, you know, definitely one of those memories that I'll never forget.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. It's, it's funny down there on the coast, you know, um, you know south of Tallahassee or thereabouts, because I had some car trouble and some other friends of mine when we went down there to go fishing at Shell Point and St. Mark's, we've had car trouble so. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just a, a mecca for car issues for college kids going down there to fish.
0: Who knows, who knows? <laughs> All right, guys, well, thanks for tuning in. Um, we're probably not gonna post this for a few more days. We'll probably try to toss this up as our Thanksgiving week because um, we just had one last week. So I know when we're not gonna be able to get them every week, I try not to stack them two weeks in a row. We're getting close to our 50. I have, I I think we're going to get a guest. I think I know who I'm going to, I'm going to ask somebody that I've been talking to that's really blowing up on YouTube right now. Um, But remember, subscribe, leave us a nice review on podcasts. Um, I don't really post these to YouTube anymore. I'm probably going to be winding down the YouTube channel or at least um, you know, limiting it a lot. I'm going to try to stick with the podcast because I do really enjoy this.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm going to get out uh, this upcoming weekend, um, either Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, so, or next weekend, I guess that'd be, I, I don't know. My, my, my day's kind of a blurred now, but, um, I do have family coming in town and we always fish and my brother typically brings a good weather. So uh, really looking forward to it. Even if it's not great weather, we'll at least try to get out and do something. So um, hopefully uh, we're successful.
0: All right. Sounds good, Tim. uh, If I don't see you next week, I'll see you the week after. All right. Thank you. All right. See you.